Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Quantum Nurse live stream. And I'm so excited today because what I'm going to do is a little bit different, unique from the previous ones that I've been doing. However, you might find it uh, different, but what I really wanted to do is that um, this platform, the Quantum Nurse live stream, like where I do a one-on-one -on -one, and also with my collaborative co-podcasters from around the world, is that we want to provide information for you that might be a little strange or different, but in so doing, we want to invite you to really like try to connect the dot and be engaged in learning information that seems like, hmm, so what could that be? Because in so doing, we participate in this, what we call life in this current dimension, okay? So it is important. So um, I know you, you all know me as passionate in terms of holistic health. And for me, anything and everything affects our health. And, and as well as it's really good to pay attention of what's going on so then we can like just uh, blame other things happening because we know we do did our due diligence so whatever you you hear from us or whatever we say and it's important that do your due diligence and use your discernment and that's how continuing education and empowerment really applied for me. And I hope that also applies to you. So today I'm so excited because I was able to um, invite and Craig Campobasso gratefully, generously said, okay, let me spend time with you and the audience. So thank you very much. And Craig, thank you for coming. I know you are busy. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. It'll be a whole new audience to sort of hear this uh, exciting information, which is, uh, you know, coming a lot directly from MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. <laughs> yeah, and um, just a little background for you, Craig, why I'm comfortable to talk about it is not because I'm an expert in it, okay? But growing mm -hmm. up in the philippines we're okay to talk about many things that we don't see or maybe we don't feel directly unless we stay still so and sometimes that's those conversations occur in the evening at night time and we really like it get exciting and there are certain things like let's say i remember that certain parts of our neighborhood, perhaps certain trees, certain rivers, certain area that our grandparents will say, don't go there or be careful. Or when you pass by, ask permission. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of orientation helped me to really like respect nature a lot or what's going on and respect the elders. And so when I heard you from um coast to coast because one of my favorite my favorite radio station mm -hmm. is coast to coast yes and so and you were a guest of many times that <laughs> you're a guest i said wow i like i like uh, the topic so for those for our viewers craig really has an extensive um background in what he's doing and so you could always 
um, I, I, the, here, that's their his website, the autobiography and, e, and then et.com. And there's he and he there's another website that in fact, if you're going to, I'm gonna do it in a clicker, see that you know that his YouTube. So you could get a lot of information about him. However, just just to highlight it that he is an a, a multiple um, award-winning filmmaker an Emmy-nominated casting director. And also he has really been acting since he was like 15 or maybe earlier. So yeah, Greg, Greg, Greg will provide us more information that's relevant of how he wants <laughs> to let people know. But, and he's done that short film, The Stranger at the Pentagon. And of course, He's not just in Coast to Coast, but he's been a guest in many also like famous um, channels and TV stations like the Beyond Belief with George Nuri again. And his latest book, which I just kind of put there as the title is the UFO Hotspot Compendium. All the places to visit before you die or are abducted. So you know, it's like it's, that a, it's a great second uh, title for the book. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. The uh, publisher came up with that. I love it. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, go ahead, uh, Craig. Tell us more. You know how you came into this work. Okay. And I will. Yes. I. Um, yeah. A little bit of the biography that you gave. I. I started acting when I was 15. I gave it up as I uh, neared around 18, 19 years old. I graduated high school early. I moved out of my parents' house, got my own apartment, worked two jobs. And one of those jobs was working um, behind the scenes on uh, the big feature film, Dune, that David Lynch directed, and also Conan the Destroyer. So I learned my filmmaking background from those two films and uh, quickly went on to other movies. But when I was 26, I had a major spiritual awakening, which opened me up to think about what was out there in the universe. And I had this amazing tutelage from master teachers. Uh, and uh, it went on for uh, intensely for a year, but for a couple of years. And that was to prepare me to write my book series, which is called The Autobiography of an Extraterrestrial Saga, which is to... Um, allow everyone here on the planet to understand what the universal hierarchy is, how everything is run up there, all of the, the spiritual programs, um, the starseed programs, one in particular that corresponds to earth of starseeds of beings from other worlds volunteering to incarnate on earth to raise consciousness here so that we can rise up and out of duality. And as we do that, then we will become fully conscious. So we activate another five chakras. Those move down into the body and activate us becoming fully conscious beings. Now, what does that mean? That means 
we are now fully working from a heart base and no longer an ego base. We're working for service to humanity instead of service to self, right? So over the years, I uh, uh, right now there's four books in that series. People can check them out at the website there. They're on the front page. And then my uh, book agent, came to me and said, um, I've got a great idea for another book. And I would like, uh, I wanna propose it to you. And it's, um, it was called The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, right? So it's a group, it was to be about all the different species that have either visited or are visiting Earth. So, I was really already well-versed in that because I have been studying contactee cases since I was 26 and I just turned 63. So I've been doing this a long time and I, I love it as my, as my hobby and part of my job uh, to help everyone else to see that all of these things have been happening on earth. So. I obtained permission from uh, book publishers and authors who had their, who had had face-to-face -face contact with beings not of this earth over all of the years, and then to incorporate all of that into the Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, along with uh, artwork of all of the beings and also uh, uh, one, of, one of the contactees who was a man in a remote village in Italy actually gave me photographs of them. So he allowed me to put those in the book as well. So the book became quickly uh, uh, popular. And so they wanted me to do a follow-up book and they wanted to do UFO hotspots. Right. So the hotspots are basically a bucket list of all the fun places and some not so fun places to go. If you want to go and experience all of these things. Now, I've done a lot of the bucket list myself. Right. And a lot of my friends also have done the bucket list and not every single one, but they had done some things that I haven't been to. So the idea of this book is how we started is uh, the ET Species Almanac and the UFO Hotspot Compendium are both MUFON books. It's an imprint of Red Wheel Wiser Publishers. So the head of MUFON sent out to all the MUFON state directors to nominate all of their favorite hotspots and the places where most UFOs are seen. So if you really want to go and see something, these are the places where you can travel to, right? So then we compiled all of those and then we, we, put, we put them sort of in order of how many nominations. I had a few myself that were not so popular that I wanted to bring people's attention to, like the Bradshaw Ranch, which we can talk about in a while. And, and, and uh, 
bring all of the information that is sort of like um, what we do is I give the entire story of what happened at that location. I go into a deep dive into all of the good stuff. For instance, the very first chapter is on Giant Rock and the Integratron. And I, I have studied that for many, many years, but the, um, but I also, I was able to work with the uh, historian of Giant Rock. I had access to the Integratron archives and I knew two people who were with George Van Tassel in the very early days when he started channeling um, extraterrestrial beings, which was, I believe, in 1952. And then he met uh, his first extraterrestrial being in 1953, whose name is Salganda, right? And this being, uh, now George was an aviator. He had previously worked for Howard Hughes, remained friends with him. And he um, also worked for uh, Douglas Aircraft and many other places. So he was very fascinated with how things flew. So this being, George is now running the Giant Rock Airport, which is a dirt airport, right, for little small planes. Giant Rock is the biggest freestanding boulder. He took it over from the man who previously ran it. And he lived underneath the rock because the previous owner dynamited under the rock and created a home for himself. So I have actual pictures of what this looks like from the archives that they allowed me to use. And uh, so he meets this being, he is invited on his craft. He meets the other members of the crew. Uh, he explains what the interior of the craft looks like, right? Which uh, I uh, put in the book as well. Um, but the most fascinating part of this is that this being imparts to him the blueprints on building a machine called the Integratron, which is a domed building. And when this building is fully operational, you could put 10,000 people a day through it. And what it does is rejuvenate the cellular structure in the body. And that's how extraterrestrials stay young. And it expands their lifetime. Like Salgonda was over 700 years old uh, from what George Van Tassel said, but he looked like a 25-year-old, right? Now, there are many other beings that came during that time, Valiant Thor from The Stranger at the Pentagon story. He also came with that same technology with, uh, and introduced it to our government so that that uh, poverty could be eliminated in our country and that we, uh, if we if we use the uh, parameters of what he said we could stay looking young and we could really prolong our lives as well and then when it was proven successful here in America then they were to share it with the rest of the world uh, Anyway, long story short, that's a whole nother long, long story. 
the government turned it down because they said it would put doctors, nurses, pharmaceutical companies out of business because everyone would be in perfect health, right? So, so technically, they weren't able to do use that uh, the Integriton for healing. They never did that, right? No, and what happened was open. Is so, that still available for the public? It is still available. It is still open. I'll give you a little background. So he he had to uh, raise the money to build the Integratron, which is a, a, a very short distance, like three to five minutes away from actual giant rock. And he had to build it on a certain site because there was lots of quartz below that they needed for uh, for the energy of the Integratron as well in the way that it was built. It's built with no nails, no nothing. It's tongue and groove and, and wooden pegs. And uh, so Howard Hughes gave him 20 grand to get started. And then he created doing um, UFO space conventions where he invited other contactees to come and speak. And this started slowly and over a couple of decades, it grew to over 10,000 people in the desert because back then there were no cell phones, no internet, it was word of mouth and snail mail. And uh, even a sheriff caught a gigantic UFO on camera. He was a non-believer during one of these conventions. And he said, with the click of a camera, I became a believer, right? So that, I, I actually was able to use that photograph in there. So George, over the years, um, and in the story, I give everybody how, how it took him to raise the money to get to all these different stages. Now, when it was 95% finished, uh, one of my friends who was with George from the early days all the way through his death and was very close with him and his wife, George had two wives over this span of time. Um, his first wife passed away of cancer, Eva. And, uh, she told me that George said that Salgonda told him the world wasn't ready for it to be activated yet. So he wouldn't allow him to activate it. But so now if you go to Integratron.com, you can learn more about the story. You have to uh, make a reservation to go and you can get a sound bath when you're there on the second floor. You being holistic and a nurse and all of that, it is, it's a sound chamber. So if you are on one side and I'm on the other, if I said grace like that, on the other side, you'd hear grace. It's amazing. And so they, they play the, all of the singing bowls and you literally lay on, on mats, you're very comfortable and it feels like you are levitating and it totally reionizes everything in your body to where you just feel like a beautiful marshmallow under the sun, right? 
That's you're not getting really Yeah. You're not getting cooked. You're just feeling really, really great. I have done it a bunch of times. I'm very now close with the three sisters that own it. They bought it many years ago. They refurbished it and it was in a, a bad state of disrepair. Um, and so it is one of those places that you surely don't want to miss. Now, the other cool thing about the book is at the end of each chapter, I tell you all the things that you can do in that particular place. So, uh, so if you wanted to go to Giant Rock, because it's, it's a very hard place to find because it's in the middle of the desert and you have to go through dirt roads, you can hire the historian whose information I give you to go, take you out on a tour. I suggest you do it at night and you bring folding chairs and you sit out there by Giant Rock and she will tell you the whole story of Giant Rock. And there and, and, and it's amazing, by the way. And, and you can look up into the stars. If you have night vision binoculars, bring them. You are surely going to see something way, way, way up in the sky that is not of this earth. When well, you're I'm really there. glad that you, your first chapter in your book is about the Integriton because right around 2010, we were there in Palm Spring and we, did, um, we, we didn't think of uh, making an appointment ahead. So we were not able to go to the Integriton, but we were able to do the night, night sky um, viewing of the stars yes. and yet we did that and so I, I kept saying to myself that at some point I have to go back there you, you have know, to you that. have to I am not kidding everybody listening to this podcast you have to go and experience this place and make it a day or a couple day trip because you can stay in a hotel in a town outside of Landers right where it is and um they have restaurants and things there so you're not like in the middle of nowhere and it is so beautiful you know several years back uh we took one of the gentlemen that i knew uh very well who began channeling there with george in the early days and we brought him back to Giant Rock, we set him up and we filmed him. And he hadn't, hadn't channeled in many, many years. And all of a sudden it all came back to him. He began channeling. We filmed it, we were taking pictures and we actually caught a disc above Giant Rock while he was channeling on film. So let me ask you, when he, when the channeling that he was doing, was it like audio um, hearing? Was it like visual or? His is, um, I think she called it a chromonitor. Now my other friend who also is a channeler, there are two different kinds of channeling. So back in the day, some channelers would speak like this. I am getting the information from this source, right? And it sounded kind of comical. Um, 
And so they're actually channeling from a machine that is pre-programmed on a craft. So that's why when those type of channelers are channeling, they sound like that. Other channelers, when they're getting it from a direct source, from, from an ethereal being, because uh, a lot of the beings that were there, including um, Salgonda and, and his complement, they're more, they're in the next dimension. They're ethereal. They can come here and show themselves in the third dimension, but they're really known as ethereal beings because they're in the fourth and fifth, right? So, so how far, how far the dimensions are the extraterrestrials that, you know, is it just up to the fifth? No, it goes on and on and on. And even at a certain point, you just become light other and, and beyond that, you're just consciousness. So that's why you hear about um, that there are, uh, there was a group that even Gene Roddenberry from Star Trek used to go to called the Nine. And it was a group of nine super beings whose consciousness was melded together and would channel through certain people and that they could ask questions and gain answers. Now, what's interesting is that Roddenberry took a lot of the information from the nine and if you really go through all his series, the numbers on the original Enterprise add up to a nine. There's seven of nine, deep space nine, all of that. So you can see that there was a lot of information that, that he gathered. And um, so, it's, it's uh, and so it goes into consciousness. And then when you get to a certain point, you go into, uh, into the super universe. You go into becoming, going into the, what we will call the paradise worlds. Now, a lot of those beings that are already in these paradise worlds, which could be in, the, in the larger super universe, not just a local universe like ours, they can choose to come back to help worlds such as Earth, to help them raise their consciousness, to help them do that through these different types of channeling sessions, or they can single out certain individuals and they can implant in them uh, information. They can implant in them maybe things they're trying to figure out. And then that being will receive it as kind of an intuition. Right? Oh, I can't hear you. So the, the intuition is like that direct cognition. Now, isn't it yeah. dangerous? Isn't it dangerous when they, you are being channeled? Because it seems like, for me, it's like someone is possessing my own being. So how dangerous can that be 
for the person and what if that person what if that channeling never stopped well here here's the thing if you are interested in channeling right there's many top channelers i think the the biggest channeler on the planet today is bashar which is an extraterrestrial being 500 year or three it's either three or 500 years in the future channeled by daryl anka right now this was something that he came here to do so this is a positive being and all of the information that comes through is for the benefit of mankind right so anybody who wants to channel you have to make sure that your vessel is a very clean one that you are a very spiritual person because only then can higher beings like angelics or um, extraterrestrials who are fully conscious if they want to divulge information to you or share information with you then you have that but a lot of it you have to remember that you it's good to meditate every day it's always good to put your protection around you and all those things now people who have a lower vibration sometimes those darker entities will go to them and influence them and those are usually people who uh, do drugs, who do a lot of drinking, um, that kind of thing. So it really lowers their vibration. It's good talking about doing drugs or the plant medicine, right? So, um, and I did really remember to invite you this month, October, you know, other than receiving uh, the information from coast to coast is because lately also especially like in july from the government side from the mainstream they started to kind of do more what they call the disclosures and but for me if we are in this we know that we have been immersed in such a mess of a lot of lies already <laughs> so it's like sometimes i have to ask why is it that suddenly with all that's happening with this pandemic, et cetera. And suddenly they're also hyping up that there should be disclosure. So sometimes I have to ask and think what could be the relationship. And so that brought to my attention when um, I, I read in Matthew Eritz's newsletter, Matthew, Matthew Eritz is an independent journalist and he's all, and beyond that, then he kind of like brought it back to that in the, well, I think in the 1960s when, um, what's his name, that he, he was also big into promoting the psychedelics. Um, oh, uh, O'Leary. O'Leary, wasn't it? McKenna? Uh, what's his name? Uh, no, Roger, Roger O'Leary or something like that. Yeah, let me see. But he, yeah. in, in fact, they brought a lot of, uh, Timothy O'Leary. Timothy O'Leary. That's his name. Uh, I have another one on, on my head. He brought a lot of plants in, in, in Hawaii. And mm -hmm. he, Terrence, Terrence McKenna. Terrence mm -hmm. McKenna. And he 
was found uh, funded by um, Lawrence in the Green Earth Foundation. So what I'm saying is, how does one really use their discernment of what information is coming from whether it's alternative media like this or in the mainstream so that because we can as, as you said if you we don't have a um in uh, really that integrated for me it's i call the integration of all our different chakras to 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 really discern which one is the right information in fact i know at some point they might someone might say hey i know craig has been doing this but he, she's also he's also an actor maybe it's all just out of his imagination you know so oh uh, i i'm not an actor i i acted for a couple of years when i was in my teenage years so that's about it and i wasn't a good actor by the way <laughs> So, guess, that's I why we, I quit. <laughs> so maybe you can help help us understand. I can you, help you understand that a little bit. And I'll talk about the disclosure part, okay? So way back in the day when, when uh, craft, especially during Roswell and and crashes and things that happened after that, that got into the news and they went to do a cover up, right? Um, that they started saying different things of what, it of what it was, which is what it wasn't, right? We all know Roswell happened. We all know they came out first and then they changed their tune. And there's been so many people who were a part of Roswell who have come out and said it's true. So there we go. We know that's true. But then what ends up happening is you get the machine working. Even Paul Hynek said it, who is the son of J. Allen Hynek, who was uh, the head of Project Blue Book, right? Now, what happens is is they start churning out things into the media that make fun of flying saucers and ufos like comics that were in the daily newspapers news stories things like that so that it is a brainwashing of the public for any time the public hears about a UFO, they laugh it off and say, oh, that's not true, right? Even when I began, oh, the uh, the other one, the ET Species Almanac, no, this one, this one. My, my agent said, oh, well, that story is not true. I know that's not true. I've, I heard about it through several people. And I said, well, I'll do, I'll do my investigation. Of course, when I did my investigation, there was so much information to prove that it was real. The Kecksburg uh, incident where a craft crashed that looked like an acorn with hieroglyphic writings around the bottom in some other foreign language, right? So then there were people that the government hired like Philip Class, who's no longer with us, who every time something came out, he would get out there and he would re 
dispute it. He would fight it. He would uh, say all of these things. So what that does is it confuses the public and starts the disinformation act. Now, I think everybody today is a little bit smarter than that. They're still doing it with a few people and that kind of thing. Now, I believe there is no holding this information back as we go forward. It is eventually going to come out, and I believe that our government knows that. So what did they do? They took several people from several departments in the government, the CIA, and they created a company. They all left their positions, and they created a company called To The Stars. Now, these people are going out, and they're actively talking about it. They released uh, the Tic Tac video footage. They're slowly leaking things into the public to see what we believe in, correct? And um, so eventually these things are going to come out more and more one by one. What I'm doing is a sense of disclosure. Steve Bassett, who is the man who has been leading disclosure for many, many years, I have had many conversations with him and uh, in, in a recent talk with him, uh, I did a little research myself and there was a filmmaker who went through 30,000 pages of the disinformation, uh, not the disinformation, Act, of the, uh, uh, when they released the, all the papers, right, into the public. And he found over 2,500 incidents where our government funded and had something to do with the altering of scripts in film and television shows right? So that right there blew me away right. because right. I, I was like, okay, well, you know, and part of their, part of their reasoning was they want to make sure that the military is shown in a good light. And I don't blame them on that count, but they would have something to do with okay, we'll fund your, your project if you do this, 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 and this, right? So I know somebody right now who's being funded by one of those such things. Is it Stephen so, Greer? No, it's not. Okay. Um, no. Like when you, when you referred about the school uh, uh, to the uh, stars, I think from that Matthew uh, Eric's article, he referred to the, to the stars of Academy of Arts and Science. That's also run by high-level um, intelligence. Was mm -hmm. that what you're referring to? Right? Yes, 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 but, exactly. But there's also, but isn't Steve, so what do you think of the Stephen Greer's disclosures then? Well, I, I think, uh, now I don't know the man. I've just seen his documentaries and things like that, which I, which I quite enjoy, by the way. Um, but what I like is he's, he gets in there and he interviews a lot of the top people as well. And, uh, and then he leaves it up to the audience to decide what you want to believe 
and, and that kind of thing. The one thing that I, I do like is he does the sort of CE5 things where he takes people out to places and they meditate and call in positive extraterrestrial craft and then they mentally talk with it and it'll move around and do simple things uh, like that as well. The very first man that we, that we know about was a gentleman named Alfred K. Bender who had a small UFO group all around the world and he actually got his group at a certain point to all meditate to bring in the craft so that they could communicate with it. And interestingly enough, it starts off with something like calling occupants of interplanetary craft. And much later, the group Klaatu made a song of it and the Carpenters actually then made a song of it as well, which, uh, which is great. It's one of my favorite all-time songs. So now... Which song was that? Of the Carpenters? It's called Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft. It's on YouTube. Uh, yeah, I'll check that out. Because it's I on YouTube. And, and be sure to check out the group Klaatu. Klaatu was the being in the day the Earth stood still. So that's what they called, that's why they called themselves Klaatu, the group. Um, now, Alfred K. Bender was also the second man to be uh, harassed by the men in black way back when to stop what he was doing and cease everything. He was visited by them twice, as a matter of fact. Are you familiar? I'm, 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 someone is texting me, a, a viewer. So there's, mm -hmm. are, there's some questions, if that's okay with you. Sure. The first, um, I think when we were talking about the plant medicine, he asked about what, what do you think about the, how does it affect the plant medicine and, you know, to the person and in terms of how he will relate to this information? And uh, I, I'll give another question, and then you you decide which one you want to answer. Okay, you respond to, and then when you mention about the um, some some people leading or the person leading for you know meditation, said other than the meditation, wh what are the other ways to increase their frequencies or their vibration? Oh, sure, absolutely. Well. I, I'm not one who is really up on plant medicine, but I know a lot of the advanced extraterrestrial cultures are. The Alpha Centaurians visit uh, really poor communities in Brazil, and they give them um, a salve or a paste that helps to heal them. I don't know what it's made of. Uh, but they really help a lot of the ultra poor communities and, and they have a relationship with these beings from somewhere else. And they're always waiting for the space people to come if, if one of their people in the village is sick and when they come, they go and they tend to them. Now, I myself know if um, at, a, at one point I had um, cancer that was fourth stage and I went, I was guided 
myself through meditation to find a Chinese herbalist. And I was led right to the right man who was an expert in this. And I went to him and he actually uh, diagnosed and gave me the correct Chinese herbs, which are high end from China. And it was a mixture of a lot of things and he mixes it together and then puts it in a bottle and you can either put it in water or put it in capsules, whichever you want to do. So, well, so he asked me, he said, uh, find out what chemo drugs they're giving you and I will make sure that I give you the, the herbs that will help, that will weaken the cancer cells so that the chemo medicine will kick it out of your body, right? So I did this and in the first uh, three months, my oncologist said, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, 50% of the cancer is out of your body. And I had lesions on my face and all of those were gone. And I said, I'm seeing a Chinese herbalist. He said, look, I can't tell you what to do, but whatever you're doing, keep doing it, right? <laughs> I continued to do it and it kept going away. And by the 10th month, it was completely gone and out of my body. But what's interesting is every time I would go to my herbalist, which was uh, every couple of months, I would know from when they would do the CAT scans on me, how much cancer was left in my body, the exact percentage, right? And he would go through my chi and he would say, you have this percentage left in your body, which matched the exact amount that the doctors told me every time, Fine. no lie, no lie. And, and then what happened was, um, and then so I was, I was cancer free at 10 months, but my oncologist said, this is a very aggressive cancer. I want to keep pushing you coming into the hospital, you know, cause I was the last, the, I, I went through cancer for three years, but the last year I spent six days in the hospital every month for 13 months. So he pushed it another four months. And then my oncologist who I loved because he was very intuitive and he was very spiritual. He said, you know, Craig, I think you're done. He said, usually I will put somebody on a regimen to come back and get the little, little treatments to make sure he goes, but I don't think you're going to need it. So I'm going to say no to that. And I said, I feel that too. So then with my herbalist, um, we continued with the anti-cancer drugs, but also he started working on repairing my DNA because, you know, the chemo uh, messes with your DNA. And it took two years until my DNA was back to perfect and normal. I still see my herbalist. I still take my Chinese herbs every day. And I've been cancer-free almost 14 years now. So I want to give hope to people who are listening to this 
to do that. Uh, and uh, all of the people that I have talked to um, who have gone through similar things, also, if, if they say these drugs are not working for you, yeah, that you do not lose hope. Go see a Chinese herbal, herbalist. Find a really, really good one, and and go for it. And I, um, I, I have to tell you, it was probably one of the most amazing things I ever went through because it was such. It was so. Uh, I mean, people are going to think I'm nuts, but to me, it was spiritually uplifting because it just brought me to a whole nother level of loving and understanding because I never hated the disease. I decided to embrace it and to love it and to move through it. And I decided once my oncologist told me in the beginning, he said, he said, Craig, people who are not happy, who freak out over the disease, they're the ones that die. The ones that stay alive are happy people. You're a happy person. You're going to make it through. So I, I had done a movie previously at Paramount where a lot of, uh, you know, Lucy shows were. So I bought the entire I Love Lucy collection and I watched it every day and I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. And <laughs> so... That was my that was my progress, and I hope everyone can apply it if they're going through the same struggles and things of that nature as well. So, so that's what I would say about plants. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for sharing that. And I'm so glad it really worked for you, and you, yes. I can see you're a happy person, and that emotion really is a key to you know, is always with any kind of physical ailment, there's always that emotional underlying factor. And the happier, the peaceful we are, then it kind of leads to, if, if it has to be with the physical, becomes like in the parasympathetic mode. Then. It does. And, and I have to say, uh, with you being a nurse, if it wasn't for those nurses loving and caring for me, I became so close to all of them. And one of my nurses got cancer later on. And so I stayed in contact with her to make sure she got through it. And she did. And, um, and I will say that as the years pass, I would go say hi to the nurses and they would cry because they were just so happy that one of the patients didn't die. Mm -hmm. and, right? and, and the best price for a nurse is when, a uh, previous patient stops by. That's right. That's no, right. <laughs> and there the person is, is standing yeah. up still. Yeah, I know how that feels. That's yes, it's the best. Right. It is. <laughs> so there's a question here that um, when you mention about dimensions, as far as you know, or you know how how far are the dimensions? You know, do you have that? And and then in relation to that. How many chakras that you um, are aware of, or the ET that you know of, shared? Well, we we have um, in my book. I think it's in book two of the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga. I go a lot into uh, the chakra system and how you can attain becoming fully conscious being, but 
we have five chakras above our head, right? And those are the ones that make us fully conscious. And we have seven inside of our body. So as we start working on ourselves, those five wheels slowly come into the body and then they go out and they slowly come in. And then once we, we really get to a point where we are anchoring ourselves, right? in this new embodiment of consciousness. And look, it can take some time. It took me some time of meditating day after day after day and, and correcting my karma early on. You know, I didn't have a lot of karma, but I made sure once I was aware of what that was that I corrected everything. And, and I've always been one to, uh, help people and, and do things and put good things out into the universe. And as that goes on, then when these chakras move in, all of our um, uh, chakras, our seven chakras merge into the heart chakra. And then that is a color wheel of all those chakras. And then the other ones move in and they're now in between where the other chakras are. That's when, when you always see Christ or Buddha or Muhammad or any, any um, uh, holy being, that's when the halo comes behind the head, right? Because that, that's when that is. Now, there's many different chakras as you start to evolve and move into other realities and different things like that. Um, I, I'm not well versed on those, but I know as we start to evolve, we will all become more well versed in that. Um, I, uh, I tried to get it into the ET Almanac. Um, I was given by my master teachers the information on the dimensions, um, and but the book was too long and we had to take that section out. So I will probably put that in a future book. But yeah, um, but you have to remember that life and the universe is always ongoing it is always going to fan out and evolve. So everything is limitless, you see? But until we get there, we're not going to see all of that fanning out of other universes that we're not a part of and things of that nature. So it's interesting because a lot of in the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga books, it really goes into how the galactarian alignment of space peoples and planets really work between all of these dimensions from third all the way up and that they actually have specialized crafts. So if a craft is here, right? That these craft are especially designed for this, then that craft exists in the fourth dimension with an entirely different crew. That craft exists in the fifth dimension with an entirely different crew and, and so on and so on and so on. But any of those beings with a thought 
can go onto the other craft and talk with those beings because what they're trying to do is they're making sure that the uh, each dimension is in perfect alignment and equilibrium, right? Like, for instance, when they started setting off atomic bombs in the 40s, that's when Valiant Thor came and a lot of other highly evolved beings to talk to our world leaders that these bombs are creating a lot of problems, not only for Earth setting it off its axis, but sending a ripple effect out into the other universes that um, harm the other planets, but also interdimensionally into other realms as well and really caution them against that kind of warfare because it was re it's really, really one of the most harmful things, not to mention uh, harming the environment in many ways, shapes, and forms. This, for instance, is from one of the contacts who's in contact with the Clarion beings who are a human race. And this is an actual picture of a Clarion, and her name is Nelfa. And she deals with astrobiology and chronoastronomy dimensional. So what that means is, is she's one of those commanders that works between the dimensions to make sure the equilibrium is staying in perfect working order. Indian, um, when you mention about the chakras, okay, and then in the dimension, have you, because I'm learning also that um, there are 15 chakras and, you know, and, and then that all these chakras are even not just connected or not, it doesn't just refer to our body, but also to the planets. Are, in your book, have you described what the Earth's chakras is? Well, it, it doesn't get into the Earth chakras, but you, all of us are a part of Mother Earth. She is our mother. She is our life giver. And we have to treat her with the most utmost respect. And so every day in my meditations, I surround her with love and I thank her for all her gifts. And then I put my love in the center of the earth and give her that also extra love because look, she's she gives us everything and then all of these things are happening we have so you know pollution wars all these things that are happening on her body and that type of thing and you know that we you have a lot of things that sort of date back in history right where we had the destruction of atlantis and we had um you know wars back then as well but the thing is, is that if we each do that, it changes the consciousness on the planet, right? If we each work on ourselves spiritually to become the best person we can, here's the key. You have to master your emotions. That is the key to spiritual attainment. 
So when you get angry at somebody and you want to lash out at them, before you do that, you have to sit back and you have to sort of cleanse that and you have to revisit it and say, why am I angry at them? And why am I being so reactive? And when you understand that, it doesn't mean that you have to go and confront them and be angry and all of those things. It means that when you are in a balanced space, it's okay to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with that person and let them know how you feel. Now, sometimes people have so much bent-up anger, it's okay, go in your room, scream, you know, get one of those batonka bats, beat your bed, do whatever, <laughs> you know, and work your anger out of your body, meditate. Here's, here is one of what one of my teachers had me do way back when, when I was having problems with somebody who uh, was treating me poorly. And, um, so in my meditations, I would put this woman in golden light and I would have a conversation with her soul. And I would, I would say, why are you treating me this way? This is how I'm feeling. My soul is talking to your soul. And I would do that over and over every day. The first day was the hardest day because I was still angry. But as a week or two went by, it became easier and easier. And I no longer, all of that didn't affect me. And so when I saw this person at work, it didn't matter to me anymore. And she suddenly became kinder. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I just really thought when you were, kept saying about our emotions, um, again, back to not just our personal, you know, space, but then the, like our whole family and our whole community yes. and the whole country. If we can yes. get that together, we're always be stuck in this mess that we are stuck right now. I mean, That's right. not, not permanently, because we have, as you said, if we keep on working on ourselves. And what I like when you keep, you emphasize that, the integration of the other chakras because sometimes others will just think that okay it's just here but from what i understand that the fourth chakras is really compromised already because the other side of those who don't intend good stuff for us good intentions are playing on that because as as celestial humans i think we have that softness in our heart so then we do this is like we're vulnerable. So, but if we're fully integrated, as you emphasize, that it's that yes. integration, then we won't fall into the trap. Of we life. won't fall into the trap. And here's the thing. Don't listen to the negative news. Don't listen to negative things. If people are negative in your life, slowly let them go. Only let what is going to serve you best. Now, here's the thing. Family is a different story. We have to do our integration. And then our family is going to be our sort of master teachers on the planet because 
they're the ones that are going to rile us up the most in some cases, right? And uh, and in others, it's perfect harmony in family. So you have to do that. And then it moves out into your extended friends and how that works. And then it moves out into the rest of the world and how you want to make the world a better place and you stay focused in what you're doing. I just see I have a chart here. Let me grab it really quick. I want to show your audience. Um, there we go. So this is a uh, one of the charts that's in uh, the autobiography of an extraterrestrial uh, saga book. So once this is our seven chakras which merge into the heart chakra, and we it's all the colors of the rainbow, and then we gain this beautiful cherry blossom pink for love, right? And we get this, we get the star. Now the star is our Merkaba. And when it pulls the new chakras in, the, the top pyramid pulls it in down, the bottom pyramid pulls it up, merges it into that. And then these are where our new chakras are aligned from the ones that are above us so some people we can call we can call the chakras above our head uh christ chakras buddha chakras muhammad chakra whatever you want they're just chakras right yeah. i'm learning so, to call it uh, chakras from what i understand it's the eternal term for it is chakras so chakras yeah yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. Um, in the future, I'll show you the 15, all the all different clouds. And then the yeah. most, in, I think the key thing is also in those chakras, there are many smaller chakras all over our body. And then also yes. there are some seals in between to protect it. And yes, and, but, and as I, and then techniques mm -hmm. in our DNA so we can open them safely and in have that full integration, right? So That's I guess right. someone asked a question. And he said, if you know about the MJ-12 group and is it still around? No, it's not still around. It, it was back in the 50s. Um, I'm not too well versed on on it, but you know it was sort of a uh, secret cabinet of men who who really knew what was going on. You know, things started branching off after the Eisenhower era. He even he warned the public about the military industrial complex because what was happening is they were going off and doing their own thing, right? And, uh, and it had nothing to do with, uh, and the government wouldn't know what they were doing, 
right? So it, it really concerned him in that respect. And so as I understand it and see it, there are all these different offshoots in the government that are doing their own agenda, but there are also really good secret segments of the government who are doing really good for the world as well. So everything sort of balances itself out. You know, we're still in duality here in this world and uh, we're all, and all of us are the ones that are gonna get the planet to shift over because once it gets to a certain point, it will just shift and everyone will feel that shift and all all of this negativity and wars and all of that will just start to fade away into obscurity and then everything will be will be rebuilt on trust and truth and love and unconditional love and then being reintegrated with the beings out there in the universe as well right so so currently how much is the government involved in that e-team right now well there's uh, it's said uh, and of course i can't prove it and i'm just talking about what i hear through the ufo community and other ufo researchers and researchers is that there are several joint bases with our military with different um, beings and that there are some that they allow to be here uh, in that respect that have been here for thousands of years that live uh, below the earth, uh, that there are several races like that. Um, there are many human races that are living right here on, on our planet and are integrated with us who are working and observing and they're working in regular jobs and they're working and observing. So if you work with somebody who you just think is like, oh my God, this person, I love them. They're just such love and light and uh, that kind of thing. They may not be from here. Oh, I see. <laughs> now, <laughs> are you familiar with uh, Stargates? Um, I'm familiar with them a little bit, yeah. No. Yeah, and uh, in 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 your book, especially the Hotspot Compendium, is there a few there mm -hmm. in your yeah. list that might uh, be? Yes, yes. Well, let's talk about we'll talk about the Bradshaw Ranch, which is in the Verde Valley, which is just outside of Sedona, right? It's in the middle of nowhere. You have to have four wheelers to get out there. It was uh, built, I believe, in the 50s. A cowboy named Bob Bradshaw uh, bought 140,000 acres, built his home, a ranch home. And uh, he was a cowboy and he, he would do stunts and westerns and help movie productions get, you know, crew, uh, you know, horse riders and things like that. So uh, one of Elvis Presley's movies actually built a set on his ranch and they filmed there among many other movies. And then he decided to sort of expand it into entertainment. And so he would have rodeo shows and 
uh, cookouts and all kinds of things there on his property. Uh, now, a good friend of mine during those days who's still alive today worked there. And over the years, she had told me all these stories about this ranch. And I became very fascinated with it. And um, so when I met one of the UFO researchers in Sedona who expanded upon everything, who worked with Bob's wife, Linda, for about four years on the ranch all the time, figuring things out that here is what this ranch has on it. So a spaceship landed in broad daylight in front of the ranch. Another time at, um, at night, the, uh, there's the ranch and next to the ranch is one of the oldest homes in the Sedona area. They believe it's the first one ever built. They call it the homestead. And Linda's son and his girlfriend and uh, her three-year-old daughter, I think she was three, were staying in the house and they got woken up by bright lights and they looked out the window and there were little grays running around the property. And they were so freaked out. They were waiting until they didn't see them because then they could run to the ranch house, which would have taken them about a half a minute if they ran really fast. And uh, when the coast was clear, they ran into the house, woke up his mother. She came out, was making coffee. Uh, they were sitting in the living room. He's telling her the story. And all of a sudden, a gray walked by the front window as well. Linda got up, ran, opened the front door, and it vanished, right? Now, between the ranch and the homestead house, there's an alligator tree. And it's called that because its bark looks like an alligator hide. Now, Linda said this tree was a portal, and she would feel and sense and see energies coming to and from that tree, right? And she said every time the negative ones came through, bad things happened on the ranch. For instance, at night, they heard something going on with the truck outside. And when they went outside, they saw that the truck was moving by itself and it was being crushed on the side where its doors were. So they started snapping pictures and they saw this giant energy around it that was blue and white that was doing this damage to the car. Um, another night, they heard their dogs outside barking at something and they went outside and they saw the dogs uh, barking, up, looking up at something. And when they got there, they heard this horrendous hissing and that frightened them. And so they got the dogs in and the next morning they went out to where it was and there was reptilian footprints where it was. Now, the portal idea or these stargates are all over that property. The veils are very thin there. I've been to that ranch location two times. The first time I'm very sensitive 
I, I can feel things in other dimensions ever since I was a little boy. I could see energies moving around in different dimensions all the time. And I have to say everything in my body said, run, turn around and run. And I, it was during the day. And all I wanted to do was just go there and look at the ranch over the fence. So I, I stuck it out. And um, I just had such, I could feel things in these dimensions looking at me. That's what it felt like. Now, Linda's son, when he would take pictures with his camera or video camera, he would see things that weren't there as if another dimension opened up. Once it was, there was a dinosaur. Another time there were telephone poles that weren't, of course, you know, they're not going to be out there in the middle of nowhere. He saw another strange looking creature one time um, when he was driving in that crossed right in front of him in the road. Um, and the other time they knew that they had a Bigfoot on the property because they always saw the Bigfoot prints out by the corrals. And they caught uh, this albino Sasquatch and above her was a craft. And this was like looking into another dimension. And so she decided to try something and she started putting fruits and vegetables on a plate and putting it out by the horse corrals, which is probably about, a, I would say a seven minute walk from the ranch, right? And in the morning, the food would be gone and on the plate would be sticks and stones, which is Bigfoot gifting and saying, thank you. And um, uh, so she came to uh, know her. She called her Big Girl because at a certain point, uh, Big Girl, when she was pregnant, laid in the dirt and made an impression of her body so that Linda could see her belly. And then at another point, at some point, there were the big, big footprints and then the little big footprints. So she knew that she had had her baby, but her mare was pregnant and grays and reptilians is what the UFO researchers thought were stealing all the mayor's fetuses on other ranches. So he had called Linda to have her beware of that. And she said she would find these white hairs on her mayor's belly, which she believed to be uh, big girl's uh, hair being an albino Sasquatch. And that her mayor successfully had her baby and uh, she believed that a uh, big girl actually protected her. So, so that's all. So the ba the mayor's baby was okay. Was okay. Oh, yes. Right. The mayor's wow. baby was okay, and she really did attribute that to big girl. Right. Um, oh, and so there's you, been yeah. Go ahead. So sorry. So be, because you know, you've been mentioning that there. They're friendly there, but what happens to the other ETs who have negative intentions? Like, let's say, Laborsha, you know, or, you know, I'm sure there's, 
there's those that don't have good intentions for us because they want to just like also like uh, they need us also for their continuing of their existence. Well, the the thing is, is that the good news is, is that there's more benevolent beings in the universe, right? That's the good news. Um, there's always going to be negative aspects out there, right? Uh, we know that there are negative humans out there. We know that there are negative reptilians, negative greys. Uh, we know that there are abductions. We know that there's hybridization programs that nobody seems to understand. Um, there are so many things that are going on. And then there are cases where there's just strange, strange beings that it, they seem like they're one off. You know, one case, the Pascagoula incident with uh, Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson, um, uh, they saw a craft coming in. They were fishing at night and this craft came in. The next thing they knew, they were like frozen on the pier looking at these things and these three strange robots come out they grab them they inject them with some kind of drug they bring them back into the ship put them in the separate rooms they strap them to these tables and calvin said that it was the evilest female alien being ever and that she did horrendous things to him but he won't talk about what she did to him to this day because they are so horrendous. He won't even say what she looked like because it traumatized him so much. And he doesn't want to even relive it or bring her memory back. So, you know, he doesn't want her to come back. Right. But he did do a regression with Bud Hopkins, who was one of our biggest, um, people who did regressions back in the day uh, on people who were having these experiences. Today we have Yvonne Smith and Barbara Lamb. And um, it, uh, th that was so foretelling of, of what happened to him. And I was able to get permission to uh, run the best bits of that um, session in the book as well. So I, I would just say if everyone wants protection, just keep yourself in a high vibration. That's all you have to do, right? And um, I even created, because so many people wanted something, a universal seal of protection, which is for Archangel Michael, Archangel Metatron and Father Melchizedek. They're the divine M Trinity. And uh, those are on the autobiography of a ET website as well. If they click on in the tab, other books, that's where people can find the hotspot book, the ET almanac, the universal seal of protection cards. If anybody buys anything off the website, I sign it to them and personalize it as well. Um, but I would say you don't have to really worry about the negative ones if they're not affecting you, but you can 
just make sure that you keep your own protection around you in whichever way, shape, or form that you would like to put that protection around you. Everybody has a different uh, way of doing it. Um, and there's lots of great things out there, meditations and things that you can find also for protection as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah I, that's well, uh, if there is, there's a chance for me many years ago to visit like an indigenous uh, healer in the Philippines, what I will always ask and uh, is to help me have that protection. You yes. know, I know I can cultivate that on my own, but it's just kind of always nice to have someone's help as well. It so, is. It right? is. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, someone wanted to know if you know about the Yellow Book and if you mm -hmm. um, in the Yellow Book and there on how they explain the creation of the universe. Well, I've never seen the Yellow Book because evidently once you start the Yellow Book, you have to finish it and it takes days and days and days because if you stop it, it doesn't leave off there. It goes all the way back to where you started and you would have to start over. Only the government has been given that book. And, um, but again, it, it is supposedly about the universal history, about uh, different beings and races and things of that nature. So it would be great if someday that they would allow that information out and if somebody sort of transcribed it to make it into a real book for people to have something tangible. Yeah, I would love to know what's in that book. Yeah. And yeah. Um, let's see. Um, anything more that you, but, but before we end, if there's anything more that you want to tell the audience, but I want to share you also what right now, one of the, I kind of help myself for protection, just my, a type of breathing at the same time you know, my visualization and also mm -hmm. an image or like the one of those sacred um, right. humanities. I'll show you. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So, and I'm not um, sure it's like one of this. Oh, oh yeah, that's gorgeous. Beautiful. Okay. So, and just imagining myself to be in inside the vehicle and then yes. that kind of protects. So it's important, but the, your, your book is like that. What reminds me of the latest book is, you know how when you want to, I say before when the movement for eating healthy was just beginning, there's like right. a book, vegetarian restaurants, vegan restaurants, and yes. that's very helpful. But, as, but each, its diet, its food also will, it's not that you know you, it, you may like it or you may not like it it may resonate to your person so and that's what um i can see in what you what you did with the your your current book right and yes. and uh, and it's wonderful that you put the stories behind it and more suggestions yes yeah, so oh absolutely how, how are you doing? Anything more you wanted to say? I'm, 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 I thank sure. you. Sure. 
I'll give everybody just a little bit. So at the um, back of the book as well, um, in each of the, like, let's say in each of the segments, if people wanted to visit the actual spot where Travis Walton was abducted, I have the coordinates where Officer Lonnie Zamora saw the extraterrestrials exit their ship in New Mexico. Yeah, I have the coordinates where George Adamski met the Venusian Orthon. There's a coordinate. So a lot of these places you get the coordinates. But um, uh, at the end of the book, I have a lot of really fun things to do for the UFO tourist. So that kind of, that's like UFO and alien specialty stores, tours of different places if people want to do that, um, that kind of thing. And then at the end of the book, I end it with all of the UFO conventions and uh, festivals where you can report a UFO. Uh, there's abduction and experiencer support groups where you can find the current UFO information reports and photographs as well. So, so it's a very well-rounded book and I think people will really enjoy all of the stories and photographs and all of that. Oh, thank you very much. And yeah, so you reach out to him for more questions or to me, then I'll pass it on to him. And we please, whatever mm -hmm. resonates to you, do share it okay like it subscribe and we both um, are is you can always search us and we have a good social media presence and of course definitely craig craig campobasso has yes. so much to share to <laughs> okay? and if anybody wants to know more about stranger at the pentagon and valiant thor you could go to stranger at the and we have all of the uh books and things like that of Dr. Frank Strange's, all the remaining books that are left, if anyone's interested. Yes. Yeah, and this episode and all, uh, all the other episodes and past uh, and in future, you could find it at um, BitChute, Quantum Nurse BitChute, Rumble, and uh, all the listen notes. Uh, not the Spotify because you know they're good in censoring, so they took it down too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm to forget it. So, but it's always out there. And the new one I want to emphasize is the Click View. Uh, it's just beginning, but they have really good features, especially that if anything from the other platforms become censored or taken down, they will automatically pick it up. So, and that's nice. wonderful. Uh, so that's one of the best features. So clickview.com. Okay. And beautiful. Take care, everyone. And then Bye, stay, everybody. stay integrated. <laughs>